second series of the Marathon Medic podcast. My name's Amy and I'm a junior doctor and running coach based in London. This series is all about strong females, so I'll be chatting to women that I look up to with interesting stories and advice to share. So today I'm chatting with Cassandra Vine. Cassandra is a London-based occupational therapist who, rather than going from couch to 5k, went from couch to two marathons in two weeks. We'll be chatting about why pace doesn't matter, the challenges of running at a slower pace, and how running in mixed ability groups is more than possible. So hello, Cassandra, and thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Hi, Amy. Thanks. Thanks for asking me to come along. Um, So I was wondering if you could just start by telling us a little bit about yourself and also how you got into running as well. Yeah, sure. Um, So uh, my name is Cassandra and I moved to the UK. I'm originally from South Africa and moved to the UK about eight years ago now. Um, And I work in the NHS as an occupational therapist. Um, My journey into running is a bit of a kind of accidentally landed into it, I'd say. Um, I About 2015, I started going to the gym just purely to get some fitness and lose some weight and get a bit healthier. And I decided to do a couch to 5K um, just for fun and just to kind of see how it went. And I kind of finished it and I was doing a couple of 5k runs every now and then but wasn't really anything special that I was focusing on it was just kind of something I did occasionally um I never thought I would do anything bigger than a 5k that was going to be it and in 2017 I clearly remember it was London Marathon Day and I was at work and a friend of mine was running it so I was at work tracking him (laughs) as he was going around and one of my friends was there with me and she's like I think we should enter the ballot for London Marathon. There's absolutely no ways we'll get a place. Let's just enter the ballot just for the fun of it. And so I was quite easily swayed into doing this. I'm not quite sure why. Um, And I ended up getting a place in London Marathon. First chance in the ballot. (laughs) It's so weird because this is supposed to be a really uncommon thing, but I know quite a few people that this has happened to and they've just accidentally got their first yeah. time place yeah it was quite when I got the letter I was like oh <laughs> <laughs> this, is happening, this now. is happening now this was not meant to be happening I wasn't meant to get a place it was so hard to get a place and, and it happened and that was kind of it was kind of like a reality I was like well I got into London Marathon I'm gonna have to run this this is not some this is not an opportunity I could mm-hmm. pass up for some reason I thought right we're gonna we're gonna do this so having never really run further than 5k I then decided I was gonna I was gonna run this marathon I was gonna do London Marathon um and that's really what kind of kick-started it for me um I never really thought I'd carry on after London Marathon but I crossed the finish line after a very long marathon and I had this thought of that was the worst thing in my life but also that was the most amazing thing I've ever done and I'm so doing that again and haven't stopped since (laughs) so literally the first time you crossed you felt like you were ready to go for your next one yeah I I had two these two conflicting thoughts I was like I'm just never gonna do that again that was horrendous but I so want to do that again (laughs) because I always feel like for some people it's that first thought that this is horrendous and it takes a lot of time to think about let's do this again but no, for you it just yeah I it. can remember going home and being like I was like I don't know why I was like let's look when other marathons are and I was like 
why am I like I could barely walk like <laughs> I was in so much pain and I was like why am I looking at other marathons this seems crazy how did you even start to train for that first marathon when that kind of distance was nothing you'd ever done before I had um kind of been following a a separate running coach that I had done an occasional like few of her kind of exercises and things like that and she was doing kind of um plans for the marathon like kind of one-off plans that's your plan for Mm -hmm. 16 weeks and so I got one of those and I decided to follow that um and I think I learned a lot about kind of running and actually what has to go into and I think I'm quite honest with the fact that when I went to do that first London marathon I had no kind of awareness of what that distance was and I think also a little bit of a respect for the distance of a marathon I think Mm -hmm. it's it's not something that you can just go and do there really is so much that goes into it but I really learned a lot about kind of the the training and actually the importance of why you build it up and how you run and and also just kind of learning about the mental aspect of running a marathon and and the work that goes into it and I think on that start line I was definitely not as prepared as I could have been but probably as prepared as I was going to be for that marathon Mm. I think Um, you learn so much from every single race you do and it's you get you might get faster each time but I think a huge part of that is from the mental game not just actually being physically stronger yeah a hundred percent I think the mental part of running and the mental aspect to it is such a big element and it's still something that I battle with today about having to overcome that that I can actually do it that I can push myself to run further and I can actually run faster than what I think I can do um and I think there's always days that I feel you feel like everything goes according to plan and there's other days where you just feel like you like I couldn't run a 5k yeah it's weird it's weird when those days are sometimes I go out and I'm like this would be a great run and it's just absolutely (laughs) awful I think it is about your headspace and how you feel feeling definitely feeds into it is there anything that happened in that first ever marathon that you look back on and you're like oh my god I can't believe I did that or I can't believe I thought that anything that you definitely changed since I think having a respect for the distance has changed my mindset of going into a marathon. I think I went into it and it also happened to be the hottest marathon on in London marathon history was my first marathon as well. So was that 2018? I can I think I was working on that one. I yeah. was working at the start line giving out water. Yeah. And I had a really busy job. <laughs> Everyone was just queuing up and they queue up for quite a long time. Like yeah. some of the people at the back take about an hour to go through the start line. Yeah. And they were just like dying in the heat and they hadn't even started running yet. Yeah. So I was I was in the last wave that started. So I think by the time I crossed the finish line it must have been you know 10 40 or 10 50 mm. it was almost midday it was so hot already and I think there were so many moments that I was so close to giving up and I think the only reason I didn't is that I had like strategically placed some friends around mm. the route and family and I think they are the only reasons I kind of kept going because I thought actually how do I just stop if they've been waiting there all this time yeah. for me and I guess um, it breaks it up as well. Like, yeah. Rather than thinking I've got 20 miles left, you can think I've got four miles left until I see this person. Yeah. And I think thinking it, I think that helped in terms of keeping me going. And I think I just got to a point that I just wanted to finish. <laughs> I was like, if you just keep going, you'll get to the end. And it was hard because 
that marathon took me over seven hours. So I was right at the back and, you know, it gets, it thins out. There's not a lot of people. There's not a lot of spectators out by that time of the day. So it does get a lot harder to run and to keep yourself motivated. I'm not really sure how mentally I did it, but I just knew I wanted to finish and that was my goal. And I kind of had the thought, if I got to the finish line, I never have to do this again. That's it. I can say I've run a marathon and that will be it. Yeah, you crossed the finish line and you thought, when can I do this? Exactly. <laughs> I think you said about respecting the distance, but I think also like respecting time on feet is so important as well. Yeah. And, you know, the fastest person that runs London Marathon has a very different experience to the person that uh, crosses the finish line last because they're on their feet for you know seven eight nine hours yeah. um you've kind of touched on a few of the challenges how do you deal with the fact that spectators do kind of disappear um how does that affect you mentally and is there any tips you would give to other people maybe in that situation to keep pushing you through yeah I think it was for me it is a whole it's whole mentally not knowing what to expect and then kind of knowing what London Marathon was. And at the beginning, it's quite busy. And as you go through, you see the spectators drop out. And I think it's then very important to have something that you can focus on. So for me, it was very important that I had some music to listen to. And I had made sure that I kind of got all of my friends and family to give me songs to put onto my playlist. So it wasn't just my music. So, you know, when I had a song come on, I could I thought about who had sent that for me and you know I knew that I had kind of my whole family rooting for me and they were constantly messaging me as well and I think that's really important I think when you're running a marathon in three hours it is very different from someone who's there for seven hours that's a long time to be out and to be in your own headspace for that long so I think it's really important that you have something else that you can focus on so for me I had music and I was messaging my family back when I was struggling And I was okay with the fact that I was walking. That was okay for me because I was still going. I was still moving. And that was one thing I kind of knew when I started it was that I just couldn't stop. Just that was in my head. Just don't stop. If you're walking, you're walking. Just keep going forward. Um, And that really helped to kind of push me through as well. So for that whole time, um, you were either running or walking. And can I ask, did you ever stop or did you keep going? I kept going. I didn't stop at all because I knew if I stopped and I knew if I sat down, I wouldn't Mm. get up. So I was... (laughs) Who would? You literally seize up the moment you sit down. So I was like, just keep going. Um, so I, I didn't stop, but I mean, there was a lot, obviously with seven hours, that was, there was a lot of walking in that, but I made sure that I didn't stop. And I, you mentioned earlier the heat as well, like three hours in the sun is very different again to three hours or sorry, seven hours in the sun. And I watched uh, Tokyo Marathon, I guess a year ago. And it was the opposite. It was like torrential downpour. It was horrible. And I was again thinking those people that are taking seven hours, you were battling through that for so much longer and I think the mental game is so has to be so strong for those people yeah and I think for people who are at the back I think sometimes we think that actually they're not as strong but I think from a and I even think about this for myself I think from a mental perspective the fact that I could do that actually does say something about my mental strength so much but I think we don't necessarily give ourselves enough credit that we actually did that and actually what that entails um so I think sometimes it's important for, for people to know that just because we're not doing it in three hours and just because we're not running all of it doesn't mean that it's an easy day out no, for us. And were you running with um, a group, like a, a seven-hour marker, or were you kind of going at your own pace? 
So I was kind of going at my own pace. So that year, I can't actually, I don't think there was a seven hour pacer because there was seven hours was when the kind of cutoff was the sweeper van was kind of at seven hours. Um, I think I was lucky in that I, I didn't start kind of right at the back. I tried to make sure I was at the start of my way so Mm -hmm. that I knew I had that kind of buffer. And I think that the sweeper van was kind of on my tail the whole time. And I think that kind of pushed me as well to kind of just That's another thing to say how mentally strong you have to be to know that that pressure is behind you the entire way and that you can't, you can't even take a moment to like take a breather if you've got that feeling that, you know, I have to keep going because I'm near the cutoff time. Yeah. Cause I think that that first year there wasn't any, I think the last pacer was at five and a half hours and they didn't pace after that. Jeez, I can't remember a... the exact cutoff, but I think it was five and a half or six and there wasn't mm-hmm. anyone pacing after that. So you kind of had no option. It was kind of just go at your own and just, mm-hmm. my goal was just make sure I stayed in front of that van and, and, and the van actually, as I turned, um, by Big Ben kind of towards that finishing straight the the sweeper van came kind of like past me to park on the side and I was like I think that kind of motivated me to just kind of last stretch I'm so close just get there and finish Um, and we've spoken about how when you are further at the back there can be less support as you go along have you ever had problems with people actually being unsupportive and and saying things to you that you know really they shouldn't be saying I I haven't really heard it and I don't know if that's just because I had my music on and I switched Mm. off and I wasn't really listening to it. Um, When I was finishing London Marathon, there were right at the end, there were some, you know, some great groups of people who kind of kept shouting and were kind of really motivating. Um, And I haven't really had any abuse that I've heard, whether that happens behind behind my back. Um, And I'm quite um, not aware of it. Um, in races there are some times when you know you're out just when I'm just out generally running around where I live and around the parks and I've heard people kind of shout things you know about being a slow runner or the fact that I'm not you know super skinny and running and I just kind of part of me just kind of ignores it a little bit and kind of also really goes back to the fact that I kind of just think in my head I've run a marathon so you just keep the comments to yourself (laughs) see your marathon time (laughs) Is uh, the last person I spoke to on this podcast actually we were chatting about um, like what is a slow pace who decides what a slow pace is as well and I think that's a really nice thing to go back to is your pace is set by you and actually you could be well above your your yeah. target pace and who's it to anyone else yeah what speed you're doing yeah and I think that also comes back into there's a lot of this talk about jogging versus running and what I kind of sometimes think what is that because sometimes when I'm going you know, at some of my PB paces, that will be a jog for someone else, mm. but that doesn't necessarily mean it's a jog for me. And again, I think that's very, that creates a lot of barriers for people when you when you say that, when you're at that pace, you're jogging and not running. Because I think for me, that is running. And for me, that's pushing myself. And so I think it's important that people have that opportunity to discover that for themselves, rather than people putting a barrier on them to say, well, if you run at that pace, you're actually just a jogger, you're not a runner. Yeah, absolutely. And we're always going to have someone that's faster than us, and we're always going to have someone that's slower than us. Exactly. And what does it really matter if we're all cross- crossing the finish line? So you finished London Marathon 2018, and how many marathons have you ran since? So I ran, I've run two more since then. Paris was one of them? Yes, I ran Paris in 2019 and then I did London again in 2019. So 
How did you get into London the second time? Don't tell me you got ballot again. <laughs> I didn't, unfortunately. Okay. I did try. I did try to get a ballot, but I didn't. Um, I had applied to do it um, for a charity. And I had always said if I was going to do any form of marathon or anything for charity, it needed to be something that really meant something to me. Um, and when I was training for London the first time round, a very close friend of mine um, committed suicide. And she had a lot of mental health um, issues that we weren't really aware of. And I wanted to do something in her memory and to raise funds for her. Um, You know, my whole thinking was I I didn't want anyone else to feel how we felt and Mm. when she passed away. And so I had applied to do London Marathon um, for Mind um, charity. And I didn't initially get into the ballot, which is why I signed up to do Paris, because I was like, I'm going to do a marathon either way. <laughs> um, and then in January, mine got in touch to say they had a place. Did and I want it? I've got two marathons And I, well, I just was like, oh yeah, that's great. I'll do it. And then I realized they were two weeks apart. So <laughs> that was not the smartest, <laughs> smartest move, but I decided to commit to it and do it. That's great. And I think it's it's such a driving force to have a charity behind you as well, because you're motivated not only by the race, but the, the thing you're raising money for. Yeah. How did how did you feel doing <laughs> two marathons in two weeks? <laughs> I, I tried not to think about it too much. So I had Paris was always going to be my goal marathon. That was what I wanted to PB in. And that's what I focused my training on. And London was just going to be enjoy it and have an amazing time and get round and see what happens on the day knowing that I had done Paris Mm -hmm. and given Paris kind of my all and so that's kind of the attitude I went into it and um I I PB'd in in Paris and so I kind of then just took two weeks of just relaxing kind of getting my head ready Mm -hmm. for it going into London was a very different mindset from the first time and it was all about enjoying the day and knowing that I was doing it in memory of my friend. And that was my goal. And um, I ended up doing quite well. I didn't I didn't beat my Paris time, but I still had an amazing experience and a completely different being almost an hour quicker in my second marathon in London. Wow. It was almost a completely different experience as well. Mm. So it was great. In in terms of spectators or just like how you felt? In terms of spectators, in terms of how I felt as well. I think I was able to take in more of the marathon. Mm. There were places that I was running that I was like, did I run this route last year? <laughs> it was like completely different. But also in terms of spectators, it was absolutely a different marathon compared to, to what I'd run the year before. Gosh, I think that's that's really something that I'll, I'll take away from this because I think it's so easy to forget what it's like every different stage of the marathon and whether you're kind of doing walking intervals or running the whole thing as fast as you yeah. possibly can. I'm kind of oblivious to the fact that the spectators leave and I think I'd probably be guilty of that as well but yeah it's so important to remember that the the last person coming through needs that cheer as well yeah definitely and I think some of them um you know 2019 was the year where there were paces much further Mm. back and a a lot as there should be as they should exactly have a cut off that's you know whatever the time was you should have paces up until that level exactly Um, and I was very much mindful of when I'd finished that I, you know, while I was walking, I was, you know, making sure that I cheered people on because I knew what it was like mm. to be an hour 
further than where I was yeah. and actually what those people were feeling. And even though, you know, that was still a long time, I'd done it in just over six hours, that was still a long time to have been on my feet. And so, you know, and there were people coming past and you just, you know how important it is when someone someone just says, keep going, you're almost there. It makes the world of difference. Mm. Or when you. they say your name because you've got yeah. a t-shirt. It's so weird <laughs> how a stranger saying your name gives you a boost. Yeah, it definitely <laughs> does. And I think that, you know, I was initially, I was like, oh, that's a bit weird, like having my name, you know, everyone who's mm. going to be supporting me knows. But actually, it's such an amazing feeling to be running and people who, are, who don't know you at all just shouting your name and, you know, encouraging you to keep going it, it really gives you such a boost mm, to, to definitely keep... the runner's high yeah definitely <laughs> um and marathons aren't your only area of expertise <laughs> last year, i think it was last year wasn't it the london yeah. classics yeah uh, for anyone that doesn't know can you just explain a little bit about what the london classics yeah are? so the london classics involves um you do three separate events and they include london marathon and prudential ride london which is the 100 mile cycle ride and then you do two mile um, swim serpentine. And you can do them it, how many ever years you want to take to do them as long as you've done all three. And then you get really nice giant medal that says London Classics and you go into a Hall of Fame. Saddest part about this is it was just the medal. I really wanted the medal. <laughs> your, your face did glow up when you started talking about the medal. It's like the World of um, Majors one where you kind of get the six yeah. things. I, I can kind of see why people want that. Yeah, it's just so amazing. I was like that, and it's so big and really heavy. And I was like, I just want that. I mean, I can get, you can sign me up for any race if there's a good enough medal. I love a good medal. Um, and it was just such an amazing medal. And I was like, oh, I don't know if I can do it. I'm not really a cyclist. I'm not really, you know, an open water swimmer. I've swum my whole life, but never like competitively. And I was just like, well, if I'm going to do it, I might as well, if I've, you know, I've done one of them, I might as well just do the other two and, and get it. And so I decided to, I got a place, a ballot place again in Prudential Ride London. And so then I just decided. <laughs> the universe really wants me to do all of these crazy things. <laughs> I feel like it's telling me to yeah. keep going because it keeps saying yes. Um, and so I just decided, well, if I've got two over three, I might as well do swim serpentine and the same year. And so kind of, ended up doing kind of all three in one year which is quite a lot and it's quite taxing to try and train for a marathon and then train for a hundred mile cycle and then train for a swim when you've never done any form of competitive mm -hmm. you know cycling I could cycle around the park and kind of you know cycle but yeah. I was by no means this proficient cycler but um I had some great support in in kind of doing the race with me I had a friend do do the ride with me and that was amazing he um started much earlier f before me in the race and then actually stopped just after the start line and I think he waited about 45 minutes for me oh, to <laughs> to so come nice. across the start line and cycled um pretty much most of the way with me we kind of split um, I'd probably say kind of halfway through just because they were starting to close some of the heels and so he wanted to try and see if he could he was a much much fa better faster cyclist than me to try and get some of those heels in um, and so but then we ended up meeting kind of after the finish and 
um, yeah, it was a bit of a crazy experience and <laughs> definitely not one I'm sure I'm going to do. I, you know, sign me up for a marathon. I'll say yes to a marathon any day, but I'm not quite sure about another 100 mile cycle. Did you have to um, train for all three things at the same time? Or did you do like a block of marathon training, block of cycle training? Yeah, so I kind of, I kind of split it up. So I, I did... I did the marathon because I wanted to, Paris was my thing and I wanted to PB for that. So I had been doing some spinning as cross training and, and kind of was doing that while I was marathon training, but I kind of focused on the marathon. Then when the marathon was done, I kind of was still running, but did a lot more cycling and started occasionally putting in a little bit of swimming. And then once kind of that was, uh, the cycle was done, I then kind of did a bit more intensive swimming <laughs> <laughs> to kind of do it so I probably wasn't at my fittest for each of them but I did it's it so and I crossed the finish doing, line yeah if you're doing yeah. all three things in one year you can't kind of be the best at each no exactly thing. I don't quite know how triathletes do it training for all three at once because yeah. I struggled to fit <laughs> I guess everyone has their their weakness mine would definitely be the cycling yeah <laughs> I think definitely cycling is not mine I'll do a 45 minute spin class and I'll do a you know a little cycle mm. around the park but I definitely don't think I'll be signing up to any far cycles anytime soon <laughs> and the most important question where is the medal so I have it on a really nice wooden um kind of medal so I've got all three so I've got like the cycle London Marathon and the Swim Serpentine and then the Classics medal all on a nice kind of wooden frame which has a kind of background of London and has the London Classics um, kind of motto on it and the the year that I did it. That's so nice. That makes everything worthwhile. Yeah, <laughs> I see it every morning when I wake up, I see those medals. So it really helps to kind of, if you're having a bad day, to look at that and be like, you've done that. You can, you can do anything really. And what's next for you? Well, it's a difficult question at this time because who knows what's next for anyone. It is a difficult question. So um, the plan is, so my marathon from this year was deferred to October and it's now been cancelled and deferred to next year, April. Um, and that's uh, a marathon in the States, in Texas. Say, say the name of this marathon because it's, it's, it's a really small marathon. It's Silo District Marathon. It sounds very kind of rodeo. Yeah. So it's it's kind of a random and definitely not one I would have known about on my own. But again, I'm all about all about doing this with friends. Um, and I have a friend who I've known since university. And running is just brought us even um, closer together as friends. And she's never run a marathon before. And she wanted to do this marathon. She, it's run by um, two celebrity designers they kind of flip houses. I'm not even really sure who they are. Um, <laughs> more and more random. <laughs> I literally have no idea anything about this marathon. Um, and she wanted to do this marathon. And I said, well, I'll come along and do it with you. And so that's the plan. So hopefully... Hopefully next year life's a bit more <laughs> Settled and back to normal. And we'll kind of hopefully then be heading to the States and hopefully going for another PB. See, that's exciting. Fingers <laughs> and you've, I guess this year has given us all a lot of time to train because there's been no races. Yeah, exactly. So we've got no excuses. Yeah. Um, in terms of training, I think it's really difficult if people are either starting running or they're worried about their pace. It's really difficult to like turn up to a running club and hope that you can keep up. Um, how have you found joining running clubs in terms of them being inclusive and managing to? to turn up when you know other people are going to be at different speeds to you yeah 
That, that's been quite a hard thing throughout um, my running journey. And I think I've been to a few kind of things. And I think it's often what puts people off. And I mm-hmm. think there are actually quite a few running clubs whose aim is actually focusing on, on people who are slower pace mm-hmm. in essence. And actually, I think that's a great place to start. But I also think that running with people who are faster than you is not necessarily a bad thing. And I think it's opened my eyes a lot in that, you know, I run on a Tuesday with a group of runners who a lot of them are much, much faster than me, but we do our sessions differently. And actually running with them inspires me to run faster, to push myself. And I think it's important to to sometimes just break out of your comfort zone and go to some of these events. And I think there are clubs who are open to people who are slower and to look for those clubs and to look for those opportunities. And I think just go. I think there are very few times that I've gone to something with runners where people, where actual runners have been like, oh, you're too slow. And I know mm-hmm. there are clubs out there that only cater for people who are faster and that's fine but I think in general as I've never I've never had a bad experience with a group of runners being like oh actually you can't run with us because you're not fast enough um and so that's tricky doesn't it yeah (laughs) I guess as well the fast running clubs tend to say it like you yeah you put their name on the website and it usually says you know speed night for this kind of elite (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you kind of get to know who's the fast people. Yeah, it? and and they get they like you say they put it on their website. They put it. They advertise who they are for. Um, but there are definitely clubs who are open to having people of all different speeds and who will advertise that as well. And I think it's, I think if you are new to running, I think running with people really helps. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, I wish I had done it earlier because I think it's definitely improved my running and changed my running by running with different people um, and being open to doing that rather than kind of just running on your own. Because I think when you run on your own, you don't challenge yourself as much as when you're running with other people. Definitely. I think that's true for anyone of any speed whatsoever. (laughs) It's good to have the accountability. There's a few things um, that you can also do if you're in a group. So if you're doing track running, you can run by minutes rather than distance which I think is one of the most useful things if people are different speeds because if you all run as fast as you can for two minutes it doesn't really matter how far you get if you're around a track um so I quite like doing minutes instead of distance and my mum's running club is called hashing which is a bit of a questionable name (laughs) but they set routes uh using flour and basically someone sets the route each each week and they set flower on different paths there'll be like three different routes and then some of them will end with a cross and that means it's the wrong route and then there's one correct route but it means that the runners at the front go off down all these different paths and then they're wrong so they have to run back and then kind of by the time the people at the back get to that point where it's all split up everyone's together again and they know the right way so I really like that group because there's a lot of different abilities but you end up running as a group because <laughs> the fast crazy ones are off trying to find the yeah. the correct route and then at some points they have something called a fish hook so it will be it's literally a hook made out of flour with a number and it might say four and it means the first four people there have to run right to the back of the group to catch okay. up so it's just things like that that can be I think really useful to keep everyone together even if you're completely different abilities yeah yeah exactly and I think Um, We do a lot of when I'm running with a group, we do a lot of running by minutes or if we are doing distances. So we usually run in in kind of a park or, you know, 
we would do kind of 800 meters or 400 mm. meters but perhaps the runners who are much faster are doing seven or eight reps whereas i'm only doing three or four of those yeah, reps um and again it's not one of those things that you don't feel like you're not doing what everyone else is doing i'm still doing what they're doing i don't do as many reps as they do but i'm still doing the same workout as to what my ability is but i get to kind of run with people and you get to run past people and you also get that kind of added advantage of like chasing people down you know there's always <laughs> someone in front of you kind of gives me a bit more motivation to try and keep yeah, going and the effort level is the same isn't it exactly. I think that's the main thing being with people increases how much effort you're putting in yeah exactly um a few random questions for you yeah so what's your what's your go-to post-workout snack I do love a good a good coffee so if it's been winter I'll have like a hot coffee or an iced coffee but I do, I do, uh, there's nothing as well better after like a really long run as a really ice cold Diet Coke or Coke. I'll take all the sugar as well I can get <laughs> after a long run. Um, but that for me is like the first thing I need to get in. Like, really? And yeah. I've oh. never ever come home and craved that. But weirdly yeah. on one of the ultras I did, they provided flat Coke, which when yeah. I read it, I was like, <laughs> that's horrible and it was so nice yeah so maybe this, I need to get into that I think there's something about it just being refreshing mm. but it has to be really really cold as well it can't just be kind of semi-cold if it's not cold enough I put loads of ice in and that kind of because I find if I don't do that straight away then I just end up like snacking on everything and anything because mm. you get especially after a long run you just get so hot and you just get hungry. So I have that and then I, I feel quite content after that. But I do, coffee is definitely my yeah, go-to. Yeah, always quite <laughs> um, And what's the one piece of sports gear that you can't live without, do you think? Oh, that's really hard. I think probably, I'm probably going to say my watch. And I think not from a, like, not knowing, it's not really about the pace that I'm going, but it's actually more about how far I'm going because I am really bad at telling distances I have no concept of distance short or long so are you running a marathon and thinking it feels like 10 miles or 40 no actually like longer so there's been times <laughs> where I'm like I, def- I definitely feel like I've run 5k and I'm looking at watching it's like no you've only run like three you're definitely nowhere close to five so I think for me that's really handy because the pace you know sometimes I don't actually really look at my pace but actually just knowing how far I've gone and actually for me that's really what keeps me going as well is actually seeing the progress of how when I started I thought 5k was such a big distance and knowing in my head that I've run a marathon so on those days when I struggle as well I always just keep in mind you've done like eight times this distance you can so run a 5k (laughs) and also I think watches now you can hide so much data can't you so you at least have to see what you want to see yeah so it can be a bit overwhelming sometimes when you look down you're like oh my heart rate's this and (laughs) is that normal and this is the speed I'm going but just to see the distances yeah and sometimes with some of my runs that I've done I've recently discovered that you obviously can I can program them in on my Mm. watch so I don't have to think about okay this is when I'm going to go faster this is when I'm going to go slow and my watch beeps and I can do it so I don't necessarily need to keep focusing on it because I think there are times when you can just become so focused on what's happening on the watch that you're actually not in the moment of running whereas when I've got that I don't actually have to focus on what's going on and how far I've gone and I can just actually wait till my watch buzzes and I can be in the moment and I actually find that I get into a bit more of a groove much quicker with my runs by that by doing that. It's like having literally a coach on your arm really isn't it? Yeah. Time to go faster. (laughs) Exactly yeah. And um, just to end what would be your piece of advice for anyone that's 
new to running or a little bit worried about starting running? I think the two things for me was is definitely run with some people. Whether you're new to running and you're not running your full 5K, you know, and whether that be something, obviously it's not happening at the moment, but something like park run or, you know, a small kind of organised race and, or, you know, getting with a running, a running club with people who are similar pace to you. Because I think had I done that when I first started running, I think my first marathon would have been a lot different. Mm-hmm. Um, I think running with people definitely changed how I run, how I push myself, but also how I feel about myself as a runner and seeing other people that it's not just me. I'm not the only one who runs at that pace. There are other people who do that, who run at that pace, who do the same thing as me, and they're also runners. And I think that gives gives you such a motivation to keep going and to keep pushing yourself. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you, Amy. Thanks to Cassandra for sharing her running story, and I'll be keeping my fingers crossed that she makes it to Texas for her race next year. If you'd like to follow what Cassandra gets up to and all her future adventures, then you can follow her on Instagram by searching at Cassandra Vine. The next podcast episode will be back next week, and you can follow me using the handle at MarathonMedic, or you can visit marathonmedic.com. Thanks. Thanks.